insurance agents from around the world. Welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast, hosted by yours truly, Scott Howell, and the incomparable Bradley Flowers. For agents, by agents, we're here to share real-life experiences, tips, and insights related to all aspects of both being an insurance agent and running a successful agency. So sit back, turn up the volume, and let's get down to business. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast. I am your fearless host, Mr. Scott Howell, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for I Protect Insurance and Financial Services based out of Huntsville, Alabama. Before we get started today, please help me welcome a six foot three sophomore from Sarah Land, Alabama, First team All-American, Rivals five-star recruit. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the incomparable Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? I'm great, Scott. How are you today? Man, I am doing fan-supertastic. Guys, our mission on this podcast is to help you in any way we can with your business, whether you sell life insurance, property and casualty, no matter what it is you sell in the insurance business, if you're an agency owner, We want to help you with your business, grow your business, and in order to do that, we knew when we started this podcast, before we had 250,000 agents listening to it, that we needed to get some titans of the insurance world on this podcast. And And, we got one. And ladies and gentlemen, we found one today. Guys, I want to introduce to you somebody that I consider one of the thought leaders and one of the people in the life and financial services side of our business, and I know we have a lot of life and financial services people that listen to us, that somebody that you really want to pay attention to and you want to sit up and take notes when they talk. He is from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. January 2018 marked his 40 fifth year as an agent. So that means he has forgotten more about insurance than most of you know. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Van Miller. How you doing, Van? I'm good. I'm very excited to be with you and I'm very excited by your energy. You know, what we don't tell everybody that's listening enough. This is the greatest time ever to be an insurance agent and second, it is the greatest time ever to sell life insurance. I love it. First time ever. In the history of our business, in the history of our business, if you sell cash value life insurance, mm-hmm. you are the competition wow. because it has a unique benefit. It is pennies that buy dollars. Mm. It is one dollar that can do the work of many dollars. Mm. It's an exciting time because discretionary money is going away. Uh, IRA, 401k, 403b, mm-hmm. 457 money is becoming more and more ineffective and inefficient. And we have the capacity, the ability, and yes, we even have the will to make sure that this money becomes as effective and efficient as possible for the people that we call upon. I absolutely love what you're saying. Our podcast is specifically dedicated to insurance agents. And as I said earlier, a lot of our agents that listen to this podcast, I know for a fact, are life and financial services guys. And you know, for or at least are struggling with that. Exactly. That's, that's exactly what I was about to say. It, even if they're not and they're in the PNC world, you know, if, if you've been in the, the insurance business for too terribly long, you know, a lot of agents, even though they sell a lot of property and casualty, you still struggle with life insurance. And you have one that's actually speaking right now that does that. So I wanted to talk a little bit today about 
you know, what advice you would give to, to people that are struggling, uh, agents that are struggling with life and financial services. I know, uh, Bradley told me, and I, I can't remember it was, you sold, was it 700? How many, how many life whole life policies did you say you sold last year? Van? Well, that's not entirely accurate. What I okay. did is last year I sold 861 life annuity and health apps. Wow. Okay. And I only work eight months a year. Uh, the rest of the time I'm out speaking or mm-hmm. attending conferences and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. But the, I please, this, this is very easy, believe it or not. The struggle that most of us have in this industry is how do we get enough appointments? Mm-hmm. And what we can show you, even in this short amount of time that we're going to be together today, mm-hmm. we can show you how to increase those appointments dramatically by just learning to ask questions. Mm. The the key is we keep telling people stuff, and I don't mean to offend anybody because I'm included in this. Mm-hmm. We don't know anything. We don't know what the interest rates are going to be. Mm-hmm. We don't know when the stock market's going to crash. We don't know what the what the earnings of companies are going to be. We don't know what it's going to mm-hmm. cost to to do business. We don't know any of this stuff. And we keep trying to tell people we know stuff. Mm -hmm. We don't know stuff. Mm -hmm. The only opinion that matters is the opinion of our prospects and clients. And if we can learn to ask them appropriate questions, we can double, triple, quadruple their appointments. My claim to fame as an agent is I run 30 to 50 appointments a week. I don't really uh, have to struggle. I never feel down because if somebody says no, that's okay. I got eight other appointments that day. You know, I'm I'm racing around like a crazy man trying to get in front of people and ask them these questions. Mm -hmm. And so, as you explained to me, we're probably going to have a little bit time to talk to property and casualty agents specifically in a Mm -hmm. little bit. But I want to be clear. Everybody who is willing to try these questions and learn them in a conversational manner, will find success almost immediately. And here's the way I'd ask all of you. Have any of you in your lifetime that are listening to this broadcast ever met somebody in five or ten minutes after you met them, they look at you and they say, geez, I don't even know why I'm telling you this, but... And everybody I ask says, yeah, that happens all the time. I say, the only time it doesn't happen is when you're selling insurance and financial products. Because <laughs> you're not asking them anything. You're telling them stuff. Mm. And you want to build a relationship. You want to show them that you're interested in them, that you care about them, that you want to know what they're trying to accomplish. How do you do that if you're talking all the time? Right. It's just not possible. So when you tell me it's okay, I'm going to reel off about seven or eight really powerful questions please, that if they please. write them down yes. and they learn them and practice them so they can ask everybody everywhere, anytime these questions, they will immediately get people who say, Oh my God, yeah, I can find 45 minutes to an hour to have a conversation with you. So the number one, the hottest one in the business right now, this is so hot. You won't be able to touch it with your hands. It's that hot. And you really got to listen to me. In order to understand why it's so hot, you have to understand math. And the math is simple. From 1946 to 1964, there were 74 million baby boomers born. 1946 to 1964. And from 1965 to 1980, there were 66 million Generation Xers. Now, if you understand what I just said to you, by 2030, 
there will be 74 million people over the age of 65, the baby boomers. And by 2045, there will be 140 million people over the age of 65. Now, you want to know how powerful that is? In the last election, only 165 million people voted. Mm. So that's how powerful all of these old people are going to be. So you better know how to ask this question, and you haven't missed it. You're at the front end of it, and you want to learn it, and you want to learn everything you can about it. And here's the question. What's the best age to take your Social Security? Mm. Do you know that 80% of the people in this country take Social Security to their disadvantage? What if there was a way that you could maximize your benefits rather than minimizing them? Could you find me 45 minutes in the next week or two? And we're not even going to try and sell you anything. We're just going to ask you a few questions that will help you clarify how to maximize this important benefit. Think you could find me 45 minutes in the next week or two. Mm. And I say, please, we're not trying to fool you. We'll even give you a couple of examples of the questions. Mm -hmm. Like, what's the best age to take your Social Security? And they'll say 62. We'll say, so can we ask you something? If you live till 95, didn't you cost you and your family several hundred thousand in lost benefits? Mm. Or they'll say, well, then we should wait and take it till 70. And I say, well, let me ask you something. If you die at age 62, didn't you cost you and your family hundreds of thousands in lost benefits? Mm -hmm. Because if you'd have taken it early, you'd have had the benefit. So what we're trying to find out from you is what's the longevity of your family? Do you have any chronic illnesses that you could shorten your mm -hmm. life expectancy? Do you understand the break-even age is around 80 to 81 years mm -hmm. old? So let me ask you something. Even if the math doesn't work, do you understand what maximizing your Social Security does? And that's easy. Maximizing your Social Security offsets the biggest concern of people. They've done study after study from age 40 years old and on. People are more worried about running out of income in retirement than they ever are building assets. Mm. And so here's the deal. What if we could show you a way to guarantee that you'd never run out of income and what if we could show you how to maximize that income for as long as you live? You couldn't find 45 minutes for us in the next week or two? And boom, you're in front of a ton of people. Second one, is there somebody at the Internal Revenue Service that you're so madly in love with that you want to leave them a whole bunch of your money? <laughs> and aren't they reducing the amount of people that are paying taxes in this country right now? Which means approximately 90% of the people in our country are paying are not paying any taxes. Mm. So 10% are paying the taxes for the other 90%. So down the road when we have 140 million people that are going to need Social Security, Medicare, probably Medicaid as well, health care, all of these issues, here's my question. Are we going to take the money from the 90% of the people who don't have any money or the 10% who do? Right. So if you're in the 10%, what should you be doing right now? Shouldn't you be paying your taxes now when they're historically low and figuring out how to transfer a whole bunch of money to the future that's beneficial to you, your family, and your business rather than to the Internal Revenue Service and the government? Right. Wouldn't that be beneficial? Another question. It's going to be killer, and it is one of the main reasons that life insurance will be the answer for every American who understands its use. And that's if we have 140 million people, how many of those people are going to be in the nursing home in the next 25 years? Mm -hmm. And here's my question. Where are we going to get the money for that? <laughs> and are we going to turn our country into a nation of caregivers? And isn't that going to destroy families? Mm -hmm. Really, think about all the complications and all the issues. Well, you want to know what's amazing about cash value life insurance? 
we've figured out a way to provide long-term care benefits. Mm -hmm. Or if you really understand how to use cash value life insurance, the death benefit, the leveraged death benefit offsets the cost of the nursing home. Let me give you an example. Let's say you go into a nursing home the last three years of your life and it's $80,000 a year. Let's say you have $300,000 in an IRA, okay? And at the end of three years, you die. And you spend 80 the first year, 80 the second year, 80 the third year, 240000 Your family inherits 60000 bucks. You got to private pay. You got to pick your nursing home. The best consequence that you possibly could. But here's the second part. What if you had 300000 of cash value in a life insurance policy and the life insurance policy had 550000 to face amount? Now let's do the same last three years, 80 the first year, 80 the second year, 80 the third year, and then you die. Well, when you die, do we subtract the 240000 from the 300000 of cash value or from the 550000 face amount? You know the answer. It's the five fifty. So, Mr. and Mrs. Client, what if you could use 80% of the money that you had in these accounts while you were alive and you could still leave everything you started with to your family when you were done using it? Mm. Wouldn't that be a more effective and efficient use of that money than what you're doing now? Mm. Aren't these fun? I love it. I love it. <laughs> and you're not and you're not telling anybody anything. You're right. just asking them, right. did you know this? Did you know this? Right. And And that's the fun. Here's another really, really hot question. I go to malls. I'm not kidding you. You're going to laugh. I go to the mall, and I watch families play with their kids on the choo-choo trains. And then I walk up, and I say, hi, my name's Van Miller. I'm an insurance agent. And I want to wreck your day, but I promised myself whenever I saw a great family like yours, I was going to make sure that somebody asked them this question. And if you say, Van, get out of here, as soon as I'm done asking the question, I will. But what I think is also going to happen is I think you're going to ask me, oh, my God, I never even thought about that before. So please, it'll take five seconds. Would you mind if I ask? And they ask. They're curious about what the question is. So I say, do you think it's fair that when one parent dies and there's not enough money that the children should end up losing both their parents? If something terrible like that would happen... Do you want your children to agree with you, or do you want them to agree with the babysitter? Mm. If there was no cost or obligation, promise all I'm going to do is ask you some questions so that you'd never have to worry about that ever again. Couldn't you find me 45 minutes in the next week or two? And what they always say almost every time I ask is, gosh, you know, we never even really thought about that. And I say it back as fast as I can. You do understand that's the exact right answer, don't you? Because you're busy feeding your kids and making sure they're safe, making sure they're educated, mm-hmm. making sure they're sleeping. You're not thinking about dying. That hits you right you in the soul. That. Yeah, and you have to ask. See, we don't ask enough. Mm-hmm. We don't. Uh, we don't. I, I'm going to say this in a very weird way, but we don't kill people enough. We got to kill these people, mm-hmm. and we have to put them in the nursing home, and we have to mm-hmm. put them in the hospital, and we have to ask them. Now, this is happening to you. What do you want to do to stay in control of this scenario mm-hmm. rather than being controlled by the scenario? Mm-hmm. Here's the hottest one on the planet. You told me you had my buddy Tom Hagnon before. This is one of the things that Tom Hagnon helped me understand. You know, he gives that wonderful example about his parents and his parents-in-law. And uh, he shows the difference. The ones that had an income lived a wonderful and happy retirement. And the ones that didn't have an income that had assets lived a stress-filled and really not that quality of a retirement. And so here's what you ask everybody. And I ask just for when I'm in a bar. 
when I'm at a, sitting next to somebody at a baseball game, at a Brewers game, or when I'm uh, anywhere I am, I just say, hey, you, you, I want to ask you something. It's really interesting to me what people answer. Would you mind if I ask? And they don't. They, they want to give their opinion. If you had a choice, really, think about this seriously. Would you want to be rich, or would you want an absolute positive guarantee that you'd never be poor? Which one? And you know what they say 95% of the time? They want the guarantee. Mm. 95% of the time. And so, what I then say to them is, what if I could show you a way that even if you completely ran out of money, you would never run out of income? In these very uncertain times, wouldn't that be absolutely amazing and worthwhile information to know? So everyone wants to invest in the stock market and so are you sort of playing against that by saying that? I'm over here smiling because it's like, you know, yeah, you can put all your money into into equities and stock market and all that, and, and there's a chance you might be rich, but there's also a chance you could lose everything. Yeah, and why do you want to take chances with your future? But I have a great question for that. Can I ask it? Of course. Where is it written in finance that you have to lose 30 or 50 or 70% of your money every time we have one of these downturns in order to make money? Right. Why do people do that? And would you be further ahead had you not lost any money in 2000 to 2002 and 2007 and 8? What if there was actually a way to situate yourself and develop a strategy that would guarantee that you'd never lose any money ever again as long as you live, but you'd have really good access to that money so that every time one of these events occurred, you could access the money temporarily and use it to take advantage of these opportunities after a crash? Wouldn't that be a spectacular strategy? Why aren't more people doing that? And it's because they're told that you should buy term and invest the difference, that cash value life insurance isn't a good investment. And by the way, when people say that to me, you know, I say it isn't a good investment. It's way more superior to that. You're actually being demeaning to cash value <laughs> life insurance. And the reason people pick on it and that effect is because they don't talk about all the other benefits and features of a program that helps you have a successful financial and a successful retirement future. Of course, they're going to go after it on the only thing that they think they can compete against. And yet, there's actual arguments, if you sit down and do the math, that we could show you that over a long period of time, a cash value life insurance policy would would fare very well against these other uh, so-called investments. But at the same time, you wouldn't be taking all the risk that you're taking, and you'd have all these other leverage benefits, and you'd have preferential tax treatment on on most of the money. So, again, you you stop them from getting away with it. I hate annuities and so should you. I, I went to my broker dealer and said, can I put out a thing that says I hate Ken Fisher and so should you? And they just laughed. They said, no, you can't do that. I said, well, why can he do that? <laughs> right. Um, it's really funny. You have to understand, these are all little tidbits that they tell you. Nobody can time the market. All of these little things are all lies. If you hear a lie a thousand times, it eventually becomes truth. And so, as agents, we show up all bright and shiny and all pressed and neat and excited and exuberant. And we say, no, that's not true. Life insurance is a great investment. and Life insurance does this and this and this. And we tell them stuff. And all I ask agents is, if they've heard one thing a thousand times and you show up once and tell them something different, are they going to believe you or the thousand times? Exactly. And so the whole goal of by asking questions 
because this is very important, and I'm going to say this as a declarative, not as a question. Our clients are not stupid. Mm. Our clients and our prospects are just busy. And they're trying to figure out how they can have success. And so these little tidbits keep getting. So when you show up, instead of telling them stuff, if you ask them questions that help them to use their own common sense to reason out why those things are not necessarily right for them, do you think you could convince more people to take action in the manner that you're speaking of? And the answer, obviously, is yes, yes, a thousand times yes. Other fun questions, talking about longevity. If you retire at 65 and you die at 70, are we going to have a problem planning your retirement? Of course not. But if you retire at 65 and you live till you're 95 and you run out of money when you're 72, and by the way, isn't 72 the new 52? Aren't 72-year-olds doing what 52-year-olds used to do? Here's my question. Uh, what's the rest of your retirement going to look like? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. You know, what are you going to do? When you retire, do you want to work on the golf course or do you want to play on the golf course? Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about this, Mr. and Mrs. Client? You have 40 years of employment to create 80 years of income. Mm-hmm. How are you going to do that successfully? And what's the safest way to make your money last longer? Wouldn't it be to reduce or eliminate the income tax liability on that money? What if we could show you how to do that? Mm-hmm. You know, it's I, I can I don't know if you guys understand, but I could go and do this for two or three hours of all these questions that I've thought to ask people, and the reason they love to answer them is because don't our prospects and clients love to give us their opinion? Absolutely, Van. I want to ask you a question, a little bit off topic. Uh, well, no, actually, it's it's right on board with what we just talked about: asking questions, getting in front of people. And for those agents that are listening to this podcast, I want, you know, you talked about running 30 to 50 appointments per week, you know, seeing people, sitting down with people for 45 minutes to an hour. Give a, give our agents a little, little bit of a flavor of, you know, if, if you're having trouble, if they're having trouble in life insurance sales or annuity sales, just getting in front of people, what, what are some of your, I guess, tactics or, suggestions to get in front of more people but besides just again, asking is, questions that's a great question and again i don't want to be redundant right but sit down in a room mm-hmm. by yourself mm-hmm. with a legal pad right now don't misunderstand me i'm going to tell you you should use my questions mm-hmm. and you should start asking everybody questions everywhere right i have questions to ask businesses i have questions small businesses mm-hmm. My dry cleaner does their business with me. Uh, my chef at the local restaurant does his business with me. Uh, the guy uh, just changed my uh, tires on my car, just gave me 600000 bucks while I stood there and watched him change the tires on my car because mm. I started asking him some questions. The way you do this is you don't think of this as a job. You don't even really think of this as a career. It's a lifestyle. And what you're trying to do is you want to ask people as many questions as you can. Start with family members, mm-hmm. neighbors. Practice asking the questions because you want to be conversational. Right. And so you the fast way to do it would be to get my CDs and get my newsletter, and we'll talk about that later, Absolutely. and start studying these questions. But here's an easy way to create your own questions. 
sit in a room with a legal pad one hour a day. Don't do any longer than an hour. You'll be burnt out. Pretend on the first day that you're 30 years old, write age 30 at the top of the legal pad in a room with no phones, no radios, no TVs, no anything. And I want you to think this way. I want you to pretend that you're 30 years old. And I would like you to write down every single question you would like somebody to ask you to inspire you to take action. Mm. What about taxes? What about protection? How are you going to accumulate money safely in the future? How do you prevent yourself from losing money every time we have one of these downturns? Mm. How do you make sure that you can create opportunity for yourself? How do you take advantage of these things? So what you would do is you would write down all of these questions and write down every question you can, no matter how ridiculous, no matter how trivial. What would you want somebody to ask you if you were 30 years old? How are you going to protect your family? What if something happened to you? How would you make sure that your business is going to be okay? How are you going to save for the future if you only have a small amount of money left over every month? And on and on and on. Ask them those questions. What is the way to make the money grow faster? Could What if you could reduce your income tax liability? What if you could make sure that you never lost any money ever again? How would you take advantage of, after a downturn, what would you do to take, and so forth. Write all of those questions down. Then the second day, write age 50 at the top of the page. And then age 50, sit there for one hour and write down every question you would want somebody to ask you if you were 50. What about inflation? What if I live for 50 more years? How much income will I need 50 years from now compared to now? How do I make sure I have enough for retirement? How do I make sure that my retirement income will last as long as I stay alive? How do I make sure that I build enough money that I can enjoy right now? How do I make sure I protect my family and my business if I die too soon? And blah, blah, blah. You keep writing down all of those questions. And you should come up with... 50 to 100 questions in an hour. Then, in the last day, I want you to write age 70 at the top of the page. And then pretend you're 70. And then write down on that page every single question that you would want somebody to ask you if you were 70 years old that would inspire you to want to take action. Do you want to make sure that your money stays in the family or do you want your money would you prefer that it went to the government, the Internal Revenue Service, a nursing home, or a hospital? How do you make sure that the children don't waste the money or the grandchildren don't waste the money? Are there ways to make sure that I can make this money last for a long time? How do I make sure that I reduce or eliminate the income tax liability on this money? Is there actually a way that I could leverage this money and make it even better than it is where I could maybe do something for a charity without harming what I wanted to give to my family? All of those kinds of questions. Now, what will happen is at the end of the three days, three one-hour things, you will have created enormous amount of questions. Mm -hmm. Then what you do is you go back, and from each one of those pages, you pull out five to ten questions that you love, that you think you would be very interested to ask other people about. Mm -hmm. And the reason you should be interested is because they're interesting to you. Mm -hmm. And if they're interesting to you, here's the thing. Will you have to memorize any of that? And the answer is no. And the reason is because they're already your question. With me, you'd have to memorize my questions. Now, I'm not going to give you fake humility. 
My questions are the best questions in the business. Mm-hmm. I work on them daily. Mm-hmm. I study like a crazy man. I practice on everybody. You should see me in restaurants and at dinner parties and at baseball games and football games. I practice the questions. I ask people, what do you think if somebody would ask you this? I practice and practice and practice, and I'm hoping you're hearing. I've been talking for quite a while, and I don't think I've said and, uh, or well, uh, or had to think about anything, because <laughs> right. I have practiced and practiced and practiced, and I still practice. And I want you to understand that. We need to be of service to people. Now, let me stop for a second and take a breath and tell everybody something. This is important. I know you think, because I sat there for 16 years and listen to people like me talk the way I'm talking. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, every day for 16 years, there's no way I can do that. <laughs> and for 16 years, I failed in our business because I was afraid. Mm-hmm. I'm a very shy person. I'm a loner. Uh, it's hard for me to do any of this. Even this conversation on the phone, mm-hmm. I'm in a room by myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is hard. But here's the thing. If you make a decision that you want to do something for somebody else, Mm. it builds your self-esteem. It Mm. gives you the courage to ask people, because here's what I want to tell you. If you don't ask them, they're going to get creamed when this next downturn happens. Mm. And so it's important and vital for you to get in front of everybody and ask them, Mm. how many times are you going to let Wall Street take your money Mm. and then have the government and the Internal Revenue Service pour salt in the wound on top of it and take another 20 or 30 or 40% in taxes if it's qualified money, how many times are you going to let them do that before you say enough is enough and I'm going to do something different? And the final question I ask them is I say, hey, when do you want to get started with something like this, before or after the next downturn? (laughs) It's a commitment question, and I'm able to find out right away. And so what I want everybody out there to understand I'm not an overnight success. I failed for 16 years. Mm-hmm. I was such a lousy insurance agent. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure I'm the reason there's compliance nowadays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was bad. I was really, really bad. And I, I only survived because we had leads. I worked for a company that provided leads. Mm-hmm. And I was able to make enough to make thirty or $40,000, maybe $50,000 a year for a very long time. And finally, because I was so negative... Uh, they fired me, mm-hmm. and I would have never had the courage to make these changes if they wouldn't have fired me. Mm-hmm. I had to. I had no other choice. Do you understand how stupid I was? I was just stupid. Mm-hmm. And so all of you that are listening out there, please listen. This is something you can do, and the key word of the day, if you get anything out of this talk, out of this discussion, the key word to success in our business If you're brand new, if you've been in the business for 10 years, or if you've been in the business for 40 years, is to practice. Mm. That's the word, practice, not study. I have people come up to me and say, man, I've listened to you 10 times. You're an amazing speaker. I have all your CDs. I've listened to those 10 times. I say, man, have you tried any of that stuff yet? (laughs) No, I'm still working on it. Right. (laughs) The working on it and the studying doesn't do it. That's the failure of our industry. It's the practice. It's taking the beating the first five or ten times you say it, and then you realize how they're going to answer, and then you learn to ask it more efficiently and more effectively, and it doesn't take long, seven to 30 days, and you're killing it. And so please listen to me. I'm shy. 
I'm not particularly charming. I'm not, uh, I'm overweight. I'm old. I'm all of those things. And yet I'm able to get 30 to 50 appointments a week and I don't have to spend any money to get those appointments. And all of you can do that right now if you'll develop a set of questions that you can get in front of people and ask them about all the issues of the day. Mm. So, guys, here's what I just heard from Van. Number one, first and foremost, you've got to have the desire to really help people and help people with their retirement and making sure that they're in a good place and, and able to do that, first of all. And then second of all, you've got to have that ability to go out and talk and meet people, new people, people that you don't know in, in any place that you're at, uh, whether that's a restaurant, a ball game, a mall, a, a birthday party. I think that's another area that Van really shines in. He is not afraid he is not afraid to walk up to somebody and start asking, and here comes another here comes another gold nugget in this, thoughtful questions, well-thought-out questions. That make people uncomfortable. That, well, yeah, they, they do, but they also make people start the conversation. They start the conversation because the questions that he's asking uh, not only are very thoughtful and require more than just a yes or no answer – they kind of get that conversation going. That's very important. And there's a lot of people that can't do that. I know I know a ton of people in my life that, and I've always had that ability to just walk up and start talking to somebody, but a lot of people in my life don't have that ability. They cannot just walk up to somebody in a mall. And it goes back to what I always tell people. What are you willing to give up to be successful? Are you willing to give well, up that, that, that introverted personality that won't allow you to walk up to somebody at a mall and say something to somebody? I'm sorry, Van. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. But what I want to intercede is it's not just walking up to people in a mall. Here's where I tell new people to start. I would tell you to go to all 10, 15, 20 of your relatives and friends and neighbors. Right. And I would say that this is how I'd set it up. I teach agents this all the time. Go to them and say, listen. I just saw this guy, Van Miller, or I saw the two guys on this program, and uh, they talked about some stuff that really worried me, and I'm working on a new sales presentation. Don't tell them you're new. Don't tell them you're new to the business. Or just say, I'm working on a new presentation, and I was wondering, could I come and talk to you? I want to make this presentation to you. You'd help me a ton, and when I'm done, I'm going to ask you five questions. Would it be okay? And the first question would be, was it interesting? What did you find interesting? The second question is, what did you find that was boring? Third question is, what did you find that you didn't understand? And fourth, what was the stuff that you understood the best? And the most important question of all, and I, I really need your help with this, uh, if you knew I was coming to sell you something, what about this presentation would have made you buy something anyway? Mm. And uh, what ends up happening is I explain to them, after you do that with 10 or 15 or 20 of your friends, neighbors, relatives, mm -hmm. who are already on your side, and their defenses are down because they think you're just practicing on them. Right. Here's what will happen. You will be the most rehearsed insurance agent in America mm -hmm. after 15 or 20 practices. And second, this is very important, I'll bet you any money you sell three, four, five of them. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> because right. they, when you start asking them these questions, they go, geez, you know, my advisors never even asked me any of this stuff, and you're asking me this stuff, and, you know, worried about taxes. I mean, guys, 
here's the thing. We didn't even talk about stuff like inflation. You know, if we're short almost $50 trillion on Social Security, are we going to be able to tax the bejesus out of people to get that additional $50 trillion? Right. And the answer is no, there's no way. So how, where are we going to get the money? And by the way, are we going to get the money? And the answer is 100% yes. There's 140 million voters that are never going to let somebody take their Social Security and their Medicare away. Right. So where are we going to get the money? The answer is easy. We're going to print it. So we're going to have a very interesting dichotomy. We're going to have inflation and deflation at the same time. And you'd be astonished how many people get that wrong. Mm. Deflation is the reduction of the value of assets, stocks, bonds, real estate, uh, gold, silver. If you've been watching when the stock market has been crashing later, Lately, gold and silver have been going down. Gold and silver are going down at the same time as the stock market. That's not supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, when the interest rates go up, the bonds are going to crash like crazy. They're very, very worried about this. So that's deflation. But at the same time, none of that is going to be enough. And so what's going to also happen is in order to provide all the benefits that they're going to have to provide for health care and retirement benefits, government's going to have to print money like it's going out of style. Mm -hmm. And that's going to cause inflation. And what inflation is, is a reduction in the purchasing power of your money. So not only is the value of your assets going to go down, but the income that you have left isn't going to be enough or the value is not going to be what it was. There's going to be a reduction in the purchasing power of the money that you have. So we have a double-edged catastrophe that's about to happen in our country. And how many people do you think are aware of this? Mm. So you guys, you really have a really important responsibility to the American people. And all you need to do is practice this a couple of times, 15, 20 times, 7 to 30 days. And here's what I tell all the brand new agents in the business. This is what I tell them. If you are willing to give me 12 hours a day, 6 days a week for the first year you were in the business, that you would learn all the questions I'm teaching you and you would learn the processes exactly the way I want you to learn them just by practicing them. If you knew that at the end of that year, you would never have to worry about money ever again, would you give me that year? 100%. And that's what they say. Or they don't say. And if they don't say, then I know they're not a qualified person to be an insurance agent. Right. Because so you have to build a foundation. See, that's the other thing. Everybody, please listen to me. I don't have to kill myself for the rest of my life. Once you build the foundation, then every time they make an adjustment, you just tweak your foundation a little bit. Mm -hmm. Makes it easy to adjust to anything, anywhere, anytime. And so here's what I'm going to tell you. If you will practice your profession as much as you practice your hobbies, mm -hmm. <laughs> most of you practice your hobbies more than you practice mm -hmm. your profession. Right. I have a surprise for you. If you do that well, you know what's going to happen? What's going to happen is at the end of that time, you will actually have more time for your hobbies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Isn't exactly that astonishing? Right. It's just a really, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm so excited about getting the chance to have this conversation because so many people do not realize that this isn't a mile away. This is an inch away. And it only requires that they take the time to practice some procedures that both of you are spectacularly aware of and you share with agents all the time. If they were smart, 
they would go through and listen to these podcasts and they would be a rule. They have to listen to one podcast in the morning and one in the evening, and they have to focus on the things that will help them get more appointments. And they should do this on a regular basis, seven days a week, even seven days a week, so that it's a process, so that they get used to it, so that it's like they're not breathing if they're not listening to these podcasts on a regular basis. And they could change their careers in a very short amount of time. You know what the problem is, Van? I'm going to tell you, you, you hit the nail on the head just a little while ago. You said something that resonated with me, and, and it was just like a light bulb went over, on, on, over my head. And and it is the difference between studying and practicing because, you know, we all read the books and we study online and do the webinars and listen to the podcasts and we do all of that. But where everybody misses the mark is, is the actual practicing of the knowledge that you've now acquired. Does that make sense? It does. You I could. Agree. I. I can sit here and and I. You know. I've been writing notes since you've been talking for the past thirty forty five minutes. I can sit here and write all the notes I want to about all these things and questions. But until you get out there and get your nose bloodied and actually start the process of doing rather than 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 learning and talking about, then you're you're never going to take that next step, that next iteration into what you know, basically a success. Because until until you do all of that, until you until you put it into practice and start getting your nose bloodied and going to family members and doing these and really sharpening your sword, you know, in terms of doing rather than learning, that's when you're gonna start seeing some some success in this. You know, and if it's okay, I'd also, I promise there's a lot of property and casualty agents that are listening. I I train property and casualty agents all over this country. State Farm, I have approved speech for them. All state, I just spoke at their national convention. American Family, American National, uh, Nationwide, all kinds of these companies. And what we teach them is just amazing. A lot of people don't know, but I actually have a PNC license, and I have a very, very small book of business. I ex-state, but I don't just ex-state car and homeowner's insurance. I also ex-state expiration date certificates of deposit. When does your CD come due? Mm-hmm. And what if I could show you how to get a better return? Would you let me know when that is, and I'll call you and tell you what the rates are at that time. And so I'm ex-stating that. But here's what I tell them. Everybody that I teach the property and casualty to, they have the most amazing opportunity of all time. They can go back literally to everybody in their book after they listen to this. And they can say, boy, I was listening to this podcast, and there's this guy, Van Miller. And I tell them, tell your people to Google me. If they Google me, there's pages of speeches and all kinds of stuff. And say, gosh, I'm listening to him, and he just scared the dickens out of me. And, you know, when I got back to the office, the first thing I did is we sat down with all the people in the agency, and we decided, we thought through, should we quick go talk to all kinds of new people about this? Or should we present this information to our existing people who have been so loyal to us? Wouldn't that be the best way to say thank you to them? And, you know, it only took us about like a second or two, and we decided that we should share that with uh, all of our existing clients who have been so loyal to us. We want to make sure that three things are important in this meeting that you'll have with us. First, 
that you're aware that there's a lot of danger out there in the way of stock market crashes, inflation, volatility, taxes, uh, longevity, all of these things. Are you, are you aware of them? Second, what if you didn't have to be bothered by any of those things? Are you in a position, have you situated your financial situation so that you don't have to worry about any of those issues? And we thought this would be the most important thing of all. What if there was a way to actually take advantage of all those situations? We just thought it would be so important that our existing people should be the first to know it's the only way we know how to say thank you to you. Mm-hmm. I love it. And then what they do is we tell them to call back everybody in their book and give them that little talk. And they teach. We actually write it down verbatim. And we tell the people in the office, the staff members and stuff, to read it. And every appointment they get, we'll give them five or ten bucks or some kind of stuff like that. And so they get really good at it because now it's a real incentive to do it. The same thing is when you're making your sales presentation. If you're selling somebody a brand new auto or a brand new homeowners or brand new commercial lines of product, as soon as you get done, you say, boy, we're so appreciative that you put your trust in us and we want to make sure that we really say thank you. Do you think it would be okay if we asked you a few more questions because we just want to make sure that, first of all, you're aware of all this stuff that's about to happen, second that you won't be harmed by it. And the most important thing of all, most important thing is that, boy, what if there was a way to actually take advantage of all the mess that's coming? Wouldn't that be valuable information? It's the only way we know how to say thank you to you for putting your trust in us. Mm, I love and it. what you're doing is you're killing a whole bunch of birds at the same time. You're telling these people that they're important, that they, you appreciate their loyalty, that you uh, are looking out for them, and you're not selling bad news Americans hate it when they miss out on opportunity. Opportunity sells, not bad news. Mm -hmm. And so by the way you ask these questions, everybody who has a book of business in property and casualty, man, you could go back to everybody in that book and get an appointment to talk to them about life insurance, annuities, and mutual funds, Mm -hmm. every single one. If I can give one classic example, three years ago I gave a speech to a huge uh, audience of state farm agents in California. And an agent walked up to me at the end of that meeting, and he said, Van, gosh, I hate selling insurance. I hate State Farm. And he's telling me all of this stuff. And I counted the three. I didn't answer back. And then I looked at him, and I said, can I ask you something? He said, sure. I said, have you lost your mind? And he goes, man, that wasn't the answer I thought you were going to give me. And I said, well, what if I could teach you 15 or 20 questions that once you started asking these, you would adore doing what you do, and you work for such a fabulous company, that in combination with what you're doing, you'd have a glorious change in your career. Would you learn the questions? He said, absolutely, I'd do it. The first year, three years ago, he ended up 57th in the company out of 18,600 agents. Last year, he ended up 17th in the company, and he's currently 13th in the company right now. And he just, he's having a blast. He's laughing and giggling, going on all the trips, making all the bonuses, doing all the stuff you're supposed to do, just having a good time. And we have that experience with so many of these property and casualty agents who don't want to work harder, but if you can show them a few questions that they can ask their prospects and clients, they can really change their practice very, very much for the better. And by the way, I know you all know this, so don't be mad at me if I'm being redundant. 
But if you sell people life insurance or annuities or mutual funds, in addition to your casualty lines, your persistency goes up and stays up pretty dramatically. And so you want to find a way to be able to maintain that persistency. It's really important for your practice. Van, I have two questions for you, and then we can wrap up. Uh, the first okay. one is, is a strategic question. Let's say you have a client sitting across your desk that has $100,000 in a CD, and his goal for that CD is to leave it to his family, and he is mm-hmm. strongly against life insurance on a spiritual level, hates life insurance. What are some okay. questions you would ask him? How old is he? 60. How, oh, would you, how, would, how would you handle well, that there's scenario? Well, there's a couple of different ways. I'd say, sir, would it be okay if I asked you a few questions because it would really help me to understand the things I would need to to make the best recommendations to help you accomplish what you're truly trying to accomplish. Would that be okay? So I always ask permission to ask the question. And if he was a, a courteous person, he 99 out of 100 times he'd say yes. So the first thing I would start with is I, I have a, an initial idea. What if we could make your money grow faster than it's currently growing at? There's an accounting rule called the rule of 72 that if you divide the interest rate into 72, it tells you how many years it takes your money to double. So you currently have a certificate of deposit, six-month CDs, probably paying about a quarter of a percent right now. And so a quarter of a percent divided into 72 means it'll take your money 288 years to double. Now, if you have an annuity with me that just, let's say, I'll pick a low number, pays 2%. At 2%, that means your money will double in 36 years. So here's my question. If you had the chance, would you want your money to double in your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchild's lifetime, or would you prefer the money to double in your lifetime? That's the first thing. But we have an additional idea, a couple of fun ideas that I would like you to give consideration to. I'm going to tell you the name of what it is afterwards, but I'm going to ask you uh, if you would give consideration to whether you'd be interested if it's like this. So here's what I'm going to say to you. If you gave me 100000 what if I could put that 100000 into a vehicle where you'd have almost complete access to that 100000 but at age 60, I could make the 100000 look like 200000 for your family. Now, remember, I'm telling you, you'd have the same access that you have pretty much currently to this current CD. Second of all, it would probably pay the same, and I think it would actually pay more, but I'm not going to promise more. It would pay the same. Here's another thing. Let's say the year before you die... You go into the nursing home, and it's $80,000 to be in the nursing home, and then you die. If you'd never met me and you wouldn't give consideration to what I'm talking about, your family would only inherit 20000 bucks. But if you give consideration to what I'm talking about, you would have used 80000 of the money, but your family would still inherit over $100,000. You could do this by reducing or completely eliminating the income tax liability on this money if we did a couple of things. So can I ask you something? Do you hate something so bad that you wouldn't want to make sure that you were doing the best for you and your family? And I still have another idea for you because people don't, realize how they can take advantage of some of this stuff. What if you ended up in a scenario where you didn't have enough income and you had to start using that 100000 It wouldn't be available for your family. 
what if I told you I could take that 100000 and break it into two pieces, and I could take $50,000 and give it to any insurance company in America, and they'd give you at your age about $6,000 a year instead of five hundred dollars uh, two hundred and fifty on a hundred thousand they'd give you about six thousand dollars a year guaranteed every year for as long as you lived and here's the surprise i would take the other fifty thousand put it in a vehicle that if you died one day after that started your family would still get the hundred thousand now even if you hate something, do you hate something so bad that it, you wouldn't want to take advantage of all the benefits that would be made available to you and your family? Perfect. I love it. Question number two. Question number two. <laughs> and in case anyone can't figure out, that's my client. Um, <laughs> question number two. No, but isn't when you think about it, isn't that fun? And you know what? I'd say, you know, if that's all there was, you should do this right now. But that's not all the risk because my plan doesn't have to go through probate. My plan is incontestable and private. My plan can be controlled from the grave. My plan has creditor and predator protection. And my plan has Medicaid versatility. I can turn it from a lump sum asset into an income stream. And I may still have an opportunity to keep some of that money in the family. If that was so, why wouldn't you want to give that consideration? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Question number two, Van, what is your, and I asked the same question to Tom Hegna in a way, not putting you guys against each other or anything like that. You were just the only two life insurance experts we've had on the show. Uh, What does your typical sales cycle look like in terms of the moment you approach that person at the mall or, or however you get the appointment to the appointment to the sale? You know, how many appointments do you do? How, how long is that typical sales cycle? Because you know, I think in, in today's day and age, a lot of agents that are halfway decent at writing life insurance tend to just go for the quick sale and not have those deeper conversations with people because they're scared of the longer sales cycle. So, you know, break down that process for us. Well, first of all, that isn't me. And pl- please, you're not pitting me. My three heroes, I have three heroes. The first one is Ed Slot. He's been my buddy for a very long time. Ed Slot says on public television thousands of times that the number one benefit in the entire income tax code today is cash value life insurance. And he says it over and over. And please believe me, if you speak on public television, you've been vetted very carefully. So this is a guy that's standing up and saying, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Prospect and Client, why are you giving all this money to the Internal Revenue Service when you can keep it for you and your family and you can use all these leveraged benefits to make 100000 look like 200000 or 300000 look like 600000 Why wouldn't you do that? Second, Tom Hegna. Tom Hagner is, is my hero. He's taught everybody that it is important to have a successful retirement by having a quality income that you can't outlive, not by building assets. See, in the insurance industry, we have forgotten. We don't make people rich. We prevent them from ever being poor. And we sell against our competitive advantage because we're the only people that can prevent people from ever being poor. Uh, people are way more concerned with loss than they ever are at missing out on gain. And that's study after study after study. And the proof is easy. There's $13 trillion of money in money market savings accounts, CDs, short-term bond funds, and checking accounts. Are those people making anything? The answer is no. Then the reason is because is they're way more concerned with loss than they ever are at missing out on any gain. And my third hero is David McKnight. 
I tease him all the time. He wrote the book, The Power of Zero. He lives only about a couple of miles from me, and uh, I tease him that I was doing The Power of Zero before he was born. He just wrote the book. But he has such a wonderful way of explaining it, and that Power of Zero, again, shows you how to use income tax IRA, 401k, 403b, 457 money to turn it from forever tax money into never tax money. If you, if you don't know those three people, they're my heroes and I look out for them. So that was a long answer, but I want to say it. my process uh, is always about asking questions. I try not to waste my time with anybody who I don't think would be interested. I'll give you an example. Hi, I'm Van Miller. I'm an insurance agent. Can I ask you something? Do you think taxes are going to be higher in the future? No. <laughs> okay, are you worried about inflation? Not really. Uh, I'll ask him one or two more questions, and then I'll say, thank you. I don't mean to trouble you any longer. They're not, there's nothing I could say to them at the current time that would uh, propel them into uh, being inspired to taking action. Mm. But then there are people that I ask the questions of, do you think taxes will be higher in the future? Yes. Do you think they could be way higher? Yes. And then I say, I hear I'm going to ask you a question. I bet you nobody's ever asked you. I bet you you've had other advisors, other insurance agents. You have an accountant. You have an attorney. I bet you nobody has ever asked you this question. Here's the question. Are you ready? Do you want to pay those taxes? See, we assume we don't ask. We assume. And if we assume, then we don't get a commitment from them. When I ask, do you want to pay those taxes, and they say no, then it's very simple to proceed from there. All I have to do is show them that I can reduce or eliminate their income tax liability, and they will take action because they made a commitment already. So the process is the same. Every great insurance agent in the business Every great financial advisor in the business has a process. The process starts with inspiring people to sit down at a conducive place to have an appointment with you. So you have to have great questions to inspire that. Second, when you get in front of them, assume that they don't remember or know anything about you. Start and ask them a bunch of questions about the current things of the day. Do you think there's going to be another financial catastrophe like 2007 and eight again? Are you worried about all the income tax liability in the future? Did you hear about the new study that says people work their whole lives to accumulate money and they end up in the nursing home for six months and everything they work for their whole life is gone? What if there was a way to prevent that from happening. And then you get them interested and they say, boy, I'd really like to find out more. And then you transition and you say, well, in order to make sure that I clearly understand what it is you're trying to do, if it would be okay, I'd like to ask you some additional questions that would help you to clarify in your own mind what you would consider to be the most important thing and in what order you'd like to deal with stuff. Would it be okay if I asked you those questions? And that's that emotional fact finder. What do you want to happen when you die? What do you want to happen when you become disabled? What do you want to happen when you go into the nursing home? What do you want to happen when you have a catastrophic illness like a heart attack, stroke, or cancer? And what do you want to happen when you retire? And then you say, okay, now let's take a look at all of your existing stuff and let's, you know, let's write it all down and let's see if we can approximate any of the stuff that you're trying to accomplish. And the process is the same every single time because if you exclude one thing, it might be the thing that would inspire them to take action. And please, 
everybody. The fact finder is a sales tool. It is not a terrible thing that compliance is making you fill out. Mm-hmm. It is a way to ask people, what do you want to happen when you die? And you know what they say to me every time? What do you mean? <laughs> and I say, well, pretend you died last night. What do you want to happen? I, I don't, I still, they'll say it. I still don't understand. Well, do you want your family to stay living in the same house? Mm-hmm. Do you want your spouse to have to go to work with your business partner? Mm-hmm. Or do you want them to be able to stay home with the children? Blah, blah, blah. You know, you start asking them tons of questions. And what they don't realize is that they're giving you their opinions about all of these issues. And they are slowly but surely developing what they want to happen if they die. Mm-hmm. Van, before we let you go, I want to, and I, again, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you being on the show today. I know that you've got um, a training program for our agents that are interested after after hearing this podcast. Tell them a little bit oh, about. Oh, you're you're very. Oh my God, you're very kind. Thank well, you. Oh no That's no. It's really. Well, it's really nice. Please, everybody out there, listen <laughs> to me. You go listen to these podcasts. They're amazing, <laughs> and they interview lots of different styles. If you're a property casualty yeah. agent, you can that you need to get better. Uh, if you're a regular brand new agent and you're trying to figure out how can you get and find the success you're looking for quickly, these podcasts will help you as quickly and efficiently as possible. So I have a website. It's my first and last name, Van Miller. It looks like Mueller, M-U-E-L-L-E-R, vanmiller.com. Again, V-A-N, M-U-E-L-L-E-R, vanmiller.com. If you go to it, I have a monthly newsletter. It has seven sales ideas every month and has training every month. And uh, because you're listening to this broadcast, if you sign up for the newsletter and you let us know that you're doing it because you listen to this broadcast, we will send you an amazing surprise. We will send you a number of back issues that will help you uh, by just signing up for the June newsletter that will help you to get better fast immediately. I'm also very proud of uh, that just this week we released my brand new CD, Modern Techniques for Success. And at the website, you can order either CDs or MP3s of all my CDs that I will work hard to help you achieve the success that you want to achieve. And on all of the CDs and all the access to the material, you have access to my cell phone. So if you listen and you try the stuff and you have some questions, you'll be able to get in touch with me so I can help you find the success that you're looking for. So again, Van Miller, M-U-E-L-L-E-R.com. And if you sign up and let us know that you're there because of this webcast, what we will do is we will make sure that we send you a surprise of a whole mess of additional newsletters, and you'll love them, especially if you read February, March, and April of this year. I bet you any money you want to bet me, you will make hundreds of thousands of additional commissions just by learning to do what we talk about in February, March, and April. Man. So I'm grateful for the opportunity to, you know, these two guys are amazing. They were bit, you know how you can tell they're really good, everybody? They're great talkers, and they let me talk. <laughs> and they they could 
talk circles around me, and don't you see that's the secret? They let me talk, and that's what you need to do with your prospects and clients. Ask them questions and let them talk. That shows people that you're not just interesting, you're interested. Absolutely. Well, Van, thank you so much. We love you, and we appreciate you being on the show. Insurance agents from around the world, listen, get out there and not only study your craft, but sharpen your sword and get out there and practice, 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 practice. Get your nose bloody. Go out to family members and friends and and practice asking them questions and and getting in in front of them and and really sharpening your sword and getting better at selling life and financial services. Guys, as I always say at the end of every show, You've got to stop sitting at your desk aggressively waiting on the phone to ring. Get your ass out there and go sell some insurance for your family. Write good business for the agency that you represent. Write good business for the companies that you represent. My name is Scott Howell, and you're listening to the Insurance Guys Podcast. Bradley Flowers, I love you, brother. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, man. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at iprotectins at gmail.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to bradleyflowersinsurance.com or email him at bradley at sarahlandinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to being with you again real soon on the next episode of the Insurance Guys. Take care.